This is episode number four in the very first live radio recording of Artful Thought at University of San Francisco's KUSF studio, which aired on Saturday, May 4th, 2019. My guest is Lily Sloan, who shares her journey of becoming a therapist and how her profession carries over to creative audio endeavors as host and producer of podcast A Therapist Walks Into a Bar and her current role as a radio host of the show Radical Advice. Lily is a psychotherapist and a, a radio show host of a show called uh, Radical Advice, and uh, that is over in the Mission District at a really awesome, another really awesome uh, community radio station called BFF.FM, where we had met. Uh, I was a radio DJ over there as well. And uh, she's just a delight and really <laughs> and really inclusive of all of the things, uh, all things, art, activism, uh, different ways of thinking, different ways of, uh, you know, self-growth and community growth. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you first feel drawn to uh, psychology and therapy? Like what really, you know, like planted a seed for you? Yeah. Um, well, the, I think the biggest, one, one of the big seeds, but I didn't realize it till later, was that when I was a small child, we, my parents ended up being hired to be chefs at a, what's called a therapeutic community. It was kind of like a asylum in the countryside, kind of like mm-hmm. mental hospital, but um, uh, it, with a particular structure that's kind of interesting but um run by this woman who is this Jungian analyst who had escaped Nazi Germany and we lived on the property and so I was like I was going to work with my when I was a toddler like I was there with my parents while they were working and people I knew were the patients and but but I didn't quite realize that influence until later um when I was in high school I my parents got divorced uh there was there was a lot there was the, the height of my my angst as a human um, was, was really blossoming in amazing, amazing ways. And I just decided, I think my family had like court-ordered family therapy and I hated it so much. I went, to like, I went to like one session, I was like, I hate this, but I knew that I needed something. And so I like, I remember walking out of that session, we were at Kaiser, I walked out of that session and I walked up to the desk and I just made an appointment for myself to have individual therapy when I was 16. And I've been in therapy, um, mostly on, sometimes off, but mostly on uh, ever since. And I'm almost 35. Um, Had multiple therapists, but also at the same time, my best friend, her parents were both therapists. Mm -hmm. And her home was where I felt safe and like, um, you know, I was kind of like going, going to her parents a bit for like some of the comfort that I needed at the time. And, um, I took a psychology class in high school and I was like, Oh man, everything's starting to make sense. And like mental illness in my family and my own issues. And, um, and 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 I I don't know I always wanted to like be helpful to people and it's funny because becoming a therapist made me realize that the ways that I wanted to be helpful to people were not actually great for me or for other people. Um, you know I I got into the field thinking like oh I'm gonna like 
analyze people and like you know figure them out and like mm, yeah. tell them tell them what their issues are and it's like no that's not how that works and I actually at this point in my life I'm like I don't think there's much we can figure out and mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it, it's like I, I I've become a very different person and not not a totally different person but I've shifted a lot how I interact with people and the, the struggles that they're going through and myself and um grown through this process in such incredible ways that um in the moment feels so subtle and and in retrospect are like earth shattering which i think the process of therapy is like that Um, yeah and there's it's so diverse to like different kinds of therapy and that's yes whenever you said that um i definitely relate that i was um the child of divorced parents and like the teen years that are the worst years even without your parents getting divorced and having (laughs) messy fights totally Um, right and uh they made me go to a therapist and of course like I think they sat in and that was not really helpful (laughs) so that made me like kind of hate counselor like the counselor that I was seeing but then like years like three or four years later it wasn't the profession. It wasn't the concept of it. It was the way they went about setting it up. There's so many different ways you can um, embrace therapy of really just being honest, you know, yeah. if you're just talking things out. And having yeah. having a space to, with the thing that I've discovered over time, and a lot, of, a lot of questions that come into radical advice, I'd say like 50% of them are like people trying to get help understanding what is happening in their therapy because there's not enough like they might be afraid to ask their therapist but also I don't think there's enough transparency in the field about what Mm -hmm. what it is we're even there to do and and what what options people you know people don't realize they can um talk to their like that talking to their therapist about a problem they're having with their therapist is actually the most important part of the therapy like the relationship is the thing Mm -hmm. and um that's not communicated very well uh and so I think that um you know helping yeah helping people understand what it is that we you know different therapists have different approaches to it but like what are we even doing here and what what is this process it's kind of bizarre but like we really need a space to be human and, and like be seen and heard and understood and um and where it's safe to uh to confront it when it's not when you're not getting what you need where mm-hmm. it's like you know a, a place that is not perfect but that is mm-hmm. uh for you yeah you know? and yeah perfection from a therapist isn't necessarily even useful because like i said the relationship is where a lot of the work can happen so mm-hmm if I mess up with a client and they're able to like tell me if that's sometimes the most powerful therapy that exists. (laughs) I love the conversation you had uh, with Josh, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Josh Stern. Mm -hmm. Where you said something about your, one of your clients had said like called you out on Mm -hmm. like, I thought you were being, you know, judgmental. Like, yeah. Cause I, I, I rolled my eyes. Oh, (laughs) I did that one time with, uh, I'm like a TA and an academic coach, and I did something similar. Mm -hmm. It was very condescending, and I was like, crap, you know, I need to just, like, swallow my pride as, like, the person who's 
leading this, you know, like I don't mm-hmm. like the authoritarian sort of positioning, like I want us to be a team in this space, but also too, I'm supposed to be a little bit more of the person who's providing a service to this individual. Right. And whenever I do something that's like really rude, <laughs> like, please call me out. Like, yeah. that's the only way we can be real with each other and continue having a good relationship. Well, and, and it this kind of leads into something you and I have been talking about getting into a little bit is just this idea of non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people can have this idea that therapists are, and, and therapists perpetuate this idea by putting it on their websites, by being like, I'm non-judgmental, or this is going to be a non-judgmental space. And I think it's true to some degree, like, for instance, if you, uh, you know, d- you know, have a certain like lifestyle or, you know, um, you know, that that you don't want to be judged for. Mm-hmm. You might seek out a therapist who isn't judgmental about that lifestyle, like mm-hmm. who maybe even says that on their website, like, oh, like, for instance, I work with, you know, people who um, do polyamory mm-hmm. or like I'm sex positive, you know, and like finding somebody who who is supportive of of that place you're coming from. But it is a fantasy to think that any any human being does not have some judgments or like mm-hmm. a perspective or a place they're coming from. And so as a therapist, it's not my job to not have judgments. It's my first of all, judgments aren't always bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it is my it, it is my job to be aware of my judgments mm-hmm. and to explore in myself where those are coming from. That's why therapists should be getting their own therapy. Um, and consultation and like places where we're checking ourselves and I messed up with this person because I maybe got to maybe I was not aware enough in the moment to catch myself having this reaction to something they were sharing that is a thing for them but is like very not in line with my own personal values Mm -hmm. and so you know Luckily, we'd been working together for many years, and this person stewed about it for a week and then came in and told me, and we had such an amazing session, and it was so, it was like, it was a breakthrough. It was Mm -hmm. a breakthrough, and as a therapist, as a human being out in the world, if a friend confronts me about something, I try not to be defensive, but sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, ow, you know, but (laughs) but as a therapist, I can hold it very differently and be Mm -hmm. like, and no, this is part of work. This is progress. This is a amazing, beautiful thing that this person, instead of quitting mm-hmm. or like, you know, making up or just kind of pulling away from me or like not sharing yeah. things, honestly, decided to tell me how they felt and that I could I could take responsibility and ownership and apologize. And also we could talk a little bit more about our differences Mm -hmm. and how that sometimes shows up in our work together. And it's just like moments like that where I'm like, God, therapy is so cool. (laughs) Because in, in, in the real world, we don't often have the opportunity to have those kinds of interactions. And Mm -hmm. so the idea is that it's, you know, emotionally reparative. It's like, it's an experience you can internalize and take with you to your other relationships. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the issues you have in your relationships in the world are going to show up in your relationship with your therapist. Mm -hmm. And then you get to work on them in a safer setting. Yeah. And that's like, 
such a good uh, example of like trust, like just it goes both ways. Like we need to trust each like that person. It's really cool. Like you said that they trusted, even though it would be like a little uncomfortable to bring up that. Oh, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, it's amazing that they had the courage to trust, to like, you know, express their feelings in front of you. And it shows the level of trust they had with you to be able to, we're going to get through this. Like, I just have to, you know, see what's on my chest. It's been bothering me for a week. It's not going to go away. Yeah. It's like, and that, it's, you know, I think about that in relationships in my life where I'm scared to bring something up with someone. The thing that leads me to finally do it, though, is that on some, even though I'm scared, on some level, I know that it's going to be okay because mm-hmm. I know this person actually does love me and care about me and that this person actually is capable of having this conversation with me. And so this, so, yeah. you know, they knew, at least on some level, despite how afraid they were that I was actually gonna respond in a pretty uh, reasonable and healthy and loving way, you know. Yeah. And and so even even though maybe half of them was like scared, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Enough of enough of them knew from our time together that I'm 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 pretty good at like showing up for them, you yeah. know. That's so beautiful. Like, it's just so, like, the people that you, um, I don't know, that you assume have certain judgments, or maybe they do have judgments, and just trusting that um, that they have, don't underestimate how much people care for you. Like, yeah. even if it's not pretty, even if it's work to get to that point of just communicating and tell, just, just always have on your heart that like, we can, we can get to this point of understanding and just being honest yeah. and it can, it, we can come to a place of agreement. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think inherent in that is, is that sense of like internalizing that we're cared for. Um, so that when things come up, we, we don't have to completely like, you know, go into fight or flight Mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, protecting ourselves because we don't trust anyone or we don't Mm -hmm. trust that person across from us that we can, I have enough people in my life right now where I know I can tell them if something's bothering me because I just trust that they love and care about me, even though a part of me will come in and be like, oh, maybe nobody loves me anymore. Nobody yeah. likes it. You know, <laughs> I wonder, like, this person's acting kind of weird. I wonder if they don't like me anymore. Like, that totally comes up. But at the end of the day, I have enough evidence <laughs> that I can rely on mm-hmm. that I'm cared for and that, um, that, gives me courage mm-hmm. to to let someone know that despite how much they care about me something they're doing is is not working mm-hmm. you know yeah and the more you sit with some things like that that do bug you and it's just like it's like a cauldron you know <laughs> like it just yeah. keeps on like swelling up it's just mm-hmm. like a boil boil toil and trouble yeah like it just you will never like it you'll just carry that with you forever and it won't ever get resolved you just deny that it exists but it will exist even more
it's not it's not about getting to a place of never having judgments you know whether yeah, it's in therapy yeah. or elsewhere it's about in in our lives being able to notice our judgments being able to face be confronted with them mm-hmm. at times be confronted with our assumptions about other people in the world and and it's uncomfortable it's super uncomfortable yeah but it's just it's like how it is and then and then also being able to shelve our judgments enough to show up for people when they need us to but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean the judgments don't exist it's just that we're able to put them aside and show up from a different from a different place nothing is completely objective and judgment has like such a negative connotation to it too yeah. and mm-hmm. it's not always like there are variations of judgment like there's absolutely sometimes it is rational to use use your best judgment you yeah know? Like, yeah make a, a judgment call yeah well and so something that I also try to when when clients or people in my life are like being down on themselves about mm-hmm. being judgmental I'm like I totally get it you don't want to be snobby towards people in your life or like you know condescending or treat them badly but let's before we go to you're bad for having a judgment let's talk about what that even is because Mm -hmm. what I've realized is that underneath every judgment is probably is most likely I'm pretty comfortable saying it is Um, (laughs) underneath every judgment to me is some sort of value Mm -hmm. that is important to you and an insecurity it's like the con- mm-hmm. it's like maybe it's more one or the other in various situations and sometimes it's a combination. Yeah. So for instance, if I am judgmental towards somebody for um getting their hair done like really expensively every week. Mm. Okay. So I'm just going to use that as like I'm, yeah, I'm- as an example. <laughs> like and I smell what you're stepping in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So underneath that or a couple of things. One is my value that like I it's it I don't want to prioritize my my resources in something that feels um like not uh that that feels very image focused. Mm-hmm. And my value is is that that's that's secondary to like, you know, it's okay to like enjoy getting pretty and like, you know, care about your style and all of that, but that to me crosses the line of where it's reasonable. In, in terms of what my values are and how the world I want to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Other side of that, the insecurity is I'm I'm not doing enough. My insecurity and fears, I'm not doing enough to be attractive. Uh, yeah. And it kind of triggers that. And so I kind of want to make them bad for their choice so that I can justify my situation, you That's know? That's a nice visual of like a teeter-totter of these different places of why you're perceiving somebody a certain way and it all has to do with your individual identifying yeah. your own values and p- sort of projecting that onto yeah. their and values. S- and so yeah. the the goal in self-reflection is to take back the projections mm-hmm. and turn turn inward and be like, okay, what does this say about me? Yeah. What do my judgments say about me? And it doesn't mean that my judgments say something bad about me. It's just self-revealing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, this means this is what I care about. Oh, this means this is this insecurity I struggle with. Yeah. And now I'm no longer putting the, I'm no longer projecting it out, you know, onto this other person. I am now thinking and reflecting on 
myself and what's important to me and, and what I'm scared of. Yeah. I am, your hair looks terrific, by the way. Um, oh, thank <laughs> you. No, but, so does um, yours. But that, I, to- I get it cut like once a year. Yeah. <laughs> I totally really, in terms of like, okay, I want to focus on like the value of just like thinking and engagement with people and to really balance, like sometimes I am just being bitter, like outwardly bitter about totally. some people who have an appearance. I have no idea if that girl who looks like a Barbie doll is actually like some type of really sweet like activist in her own right. Like just yeah. because she takes two hours to get ready every day, maybe maybe she spends the other, you know, maybe two, maybe that time two hours doing something really incredible for other people. And what if what if during that two hours that she's getting ready, it's almost like she's meditating. Yeah. Like and yeah. like grounding herself maybe there's something about that process that is just a container for something much deeper that I don't I don't understand because that's not the way I do it you know Mm -hmm. but like I I mean I want to open up that possibility too and it you know and yeah I can be snarky and like have judgments about things I I don't like the system we live in and so I get really judgy about people who are kind of just doing it and seemingly doing it unconsciously and not having any criticism of it and because my value is that like capitalism is messed up and we need (laughs) something else and everybody is like suffering can I quote like I brought up one of your quotes it all comes back to capitalism is why (laughs) it it all comes back to capitalism um uh, I love this quote uh, and this is kind of tying into happiness and mm. is like a myth. Uh, happiness is another capitalist lie. It's just an emotion. You experience some. You experience it sometimes and other times you don't. Negative self-talk stems from this idea of fitting the mold of a happy person, which is a BS model. We're taught to have a certain body type, then we're sold a bunch of products to achieve the BS model, which in turn fails to shape us into what we envisioned was the standard of being happy. I love that quote so Did I, much. Did I said that? You said that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. from your mouth. I, I, agree, <laughs> I agree with that statement. Yeah, sometimes whenever you're, like, talking in conversation, you forget. Like, it's like skin cells, you know, it yeah. just flakes off into yeah. your past, and you never realize who's quoting you right. from the past. That's definitely <laughs> something I agree with. But, yeah, we, yeah. any anything that's, like kind of like a should especially when it comes to how we should feel or mm-hmm. you know experience life um it, it's i mean it's capitalized on and and yeah. it's you know and it's just even body positivity has become so like taken over by market forces you know mm-hmm. in a way that i think has is is undermining it in big yeah, in big ways that's how i sort of feel about um especially in San Francisco, um, Pride, the Pride um, uh, parade last year upset me because of the capitalist, mm. like, uh, just a vein that was underlying that that parade of, like, 200 Google employees who were wearing khakis and a T-shirt in a Pride parade. Yeah. I'm just like, this is not authentically ce- celebrating yeah pride for what it's yeah uh, and you you want things you want things to be mainstream but i don't want them to be commercial and that's what's so tricky and we live in a world that it's like yeah there's so much pressure to sort of monetize everything and Mm -hmm. capitalize on everything 
and it and it's really d- diluting of yeah. these messages and and it and it sets people up for more for failure like especially with this happiness idea and like mm-hmm. m- you know maximizing i just saw a funny tweet that was saying jack dorsey of twitter is like the is the the gwyneth paltrow of like of like of like white tech men because he's he's like he's like constant he's like always like fasting and like he's like oh anyone heard of meditation (laughs) it's just like are you kidding me like just stop just stop like we don't it it takes ideas of growth and like well-being and turns it into another another thing that you have to like you know be best at and Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. no, like we need space to just be. Yeah. And whether you're happy in that moment or you feel like shit. And paradoxically, that will lead to more what some people would describe as happiness. I think of it more as like richness and fulfillment fulfillment, and like yeah. just like, you know, variety in life. They, yeah, especially Gwyneth Paltrow. Like yeah. her, her causes, like her social justice causes of like – non-GMO like I know there's value in some of the things that she has but that's like on the selling snake oil yeah (laughs) on the scale of like that's a privileged person's cause oh yeah totally whenever there's like you know like police brutality and like whenever I see the value of like caring about one thing over another (laughs) yeah it's like you're really caring about like people there are people who can't even afford uh I mean to, they just can't afford to care about the problems yeah. that you have. Like yeah. we can't. And they can't afford. Have, they yeah. can't afford to have their their life goal be happiness. And, and that is something that is definitely a, a major theme of like radical advice is, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of deca- decolonizing, <laughs> you know, ideas of self care, mm-hmm. ideas of happiness, ideas of what well being looks like. And broadening it and challenge and challenging people with privilege to like to make sacrifices and yeah. to like and to see how like caring for yourself and loving yourself is super important and that doesn't have to preclude you know speak you know speaking up and speaking out and being involved and in, and in, like it in fact it should in theory make more space for that but mm-hmm. not when we're on the rat race to like being the the, the having the glowiest skin yeah. you know. Yeah, because, and like, you know, the healthiest vagina. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what she's selling right now. But. She, yeah, it's just like, come on, help somebody that actually like needs the most help, and not like yeah. yourself. It's a distraction. Yeah, yeah. and we do matter, and yeah. we and we should care for ourselves, and it's sure. and it's and it's hard work. I'm very anti like I don't wear makeup mm-hmm. I just chop my hair off I pulled a Britney Spears yeah and, like I'm very anti-patriarchy but I'm trying to be more open-minded about uh you know if somebody you know just wants to make themselves feel good um I shouldn't yeah. I, as long as they're not harming anybody else I'm yeah. okay with it like, and, it, and it, is, it is an art that. it is it is a pleasure for people and I I know a lot of people who love fashion and makeup yeah. and like do that in a way and are really amazing people and and it and sometimes it's fun for me so lily's show airs every tuesday morning or morning 
afternoon, 10 to 10 noon. to noon. Yeah. Uh, and it's over at BFFF.FM. That's a Mission District community online radio uh, called Radical Advice. You can also visit uh, the website. She takes uh, uh, questions from people uh, since her show's about uh, therapy. It's, uh, of course, not in replacement of, uh, and she makes this disclaimer on the show every week that it's not a replacement for, uh, you know, therapy sessions. Um, but definitely she likes to talk about therapy related things and the intersectionality of self growth and other, other issues in the world, um, to make the personal political and vice versa. So thank you so much, Lily. Yeah, so happy to be here. Were there any other, um, like, uh, plugs or anything that I didn't mention? Um, well, if people want to uh, send questions in for Radical Advice, you go to uh, radicaladviceshow.com. Yeah. Um, and then also you can follow me on Twitter if you're a Twitter person. I'm at Lily Rose Sloan, um, S- or L-A-L-Y-R-O-S-E-S-L-O-A-N-E. And then Radical Advice is on Twitter as well as at Radical underscore Advice. Um, and yeah, just... Uh, and you can find a therapist walks into a bar and wherever yeah. you listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend uh, you to follow Lily and to listen to a therapist walks into a bar. It's uh, her podcast that ended last year, but it lives forever. So you should you should check it out and uh, Lily's uh, ongoing projects. P.S. I made a rookie mistake and forgot to press the old play button for the first hour of our live conversation. Hope you caught it when it aired, and if you didn't, my apologies. In a nutshell reenactment that won't do it justice, but is better than nothing, we delved pretty deeply into the process of podcasting in terms of craft, content, creative audio composition, editing, genre, and several things in between. We especially address the subject of gender inequality in the audio world, where only 5% of production in audio media is produced by women. Lily dropped an invaluable toolkit of storytelling and radio podcast resources if you're looking to create your own podcast but need some more direction in how to get started. These resources include How Sound on Transom, a graphic guidebook called Out on the Wire, The Storytelling Secrets of the New Masters of Radio, Women's Audio Mission, Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University, and she recommended listening to an audio fiction podcast called Imaginary Advice. You can find links to these and to Lily's platforms on the episode webpage. Thank you so much for listening to Artful Thought, a KUSF production in San Francisco.